0: We're in the second week of a series today called Will Call. We're in a series talking about the will of God. We're in a series talking about the call of God. And so last week we talked about how a lot of times we tend to to misunderstand what God's will is for us. We tend to think that God's will for one person is going to be different than God's will for another person. And, and I, I, I explained that just through the Bible I read that doesn't align with the scriptures that are the Bible I read where it talks about how God wants us to be all united in the same heart and mind and, and how that doesn't seem to have congruence with God being a God of unity. And so we discovered that through scripture God has the same, we discovered through scripture that God has the same will for all of humanity. Did you know that? God's will for your life is the same as God's will for the person sitting next to you and the person who's out there thinking about coming to church today and the person that you're going to invite to church with you next week. It's the same will, right? Look at your neighbor and say, it's the same for you. It's the same for you, right? And what is God's will for humanity? That's a big statement. But we discovered through scripture that this is what God's will is for all people. God's will for you, for me, for all of us, for all people is to worship him by being transformed into the image of his son and reflecting his glory into the world around around us by making disciples. That's what God's will is for all of us. And so if that's what God's will is if it's to worship him and not just singing the same 3 or 4 Bethel or Hillsong songs throughout your week but to literally see your life as an act of worship then as you are transformed into his into the image of Jesus and as you engage in intentional relationships and conversations with people around you about Jesus that's called discipleship then that worships God that gives him glory And that's when we're within his will. So if we can be within his will, then logically we should be outside of his will, right? So I'm hoping, my prayer for you this week has been, if there's any part of your life that has been outside of God's will, you would start to bring it back underneath his authority, underneath his protection this week. And as long as you're worshiping God by being transformed into the image of Christ and engaging in intentional conversations and relationships, you're right where God wants you to be. So we talked about how the, the will of God was his plan for us. Now, the call of God is his purpose for us. So think of it maybe this way. God's will is the why you are here. Why you're here on earth is that reason. Why you're still here on earth is for that reason, that definition. Today, we're going to move into God's call for your life. And that's really the what Okay. Why you're here on earth is to worship God. The what you're supposed to do while you're here in order to accomplish that is the what. And then next week, we're going to talk about the how. And that, that involves the gifts that God has given to you. And ultimately, if, you, if we can pull up that little chart with the circles, this is what our series is going to look like. Okay. First week we were here, we talked about what God's will for me was. And just so you know, your goal is to stay inside the circles, okay? Like like good rule followers, you stay within the circle, okay? But th- last week we talked about how as long as you are worshiping God by being transformed into the image of his son and making disciples around you, you're staying inside that circle of God's will for me. That's why you are here. That's why he put breath in your lungs. Ben, have a seat, please. Thank you. All right. Just an update. The missus left on Thursday afternoon. Uh, for about 10 days of conferences in the States. I haven't lost either of my children yet, okay? They have been well-fed, right? We've had lots of fun. We've had swim lessons. We've done homework so far. Nothing has been set on fire, okay? So we'll keep praying for me, please. We only have seven more sleeps to go until mom gets back, okay? We, we would covet you, and there was great rejoicing from my children, okay? But... Um, Continue to pray for the Dutton men, okay? All right. Uh, pray we can find the greens in our home so we can have some vegetables, okay? Um, but, sorry, that completely got us off track. Um, stay within God's will for me is within this circle. Today, we're going to talk about God's call on me, right? That's the what you are here for. That's his purpose for you. And then the next week, we're going to talk about how God gives gifts to you to accomplish both of those purposes. And whenever you can be within God's will, within God's call, using His gifts right there, that middle part of where all three of these circles intersect, that's your destiny. That's where you are the most effective in your life for the kingdom of God. Now what's interesting too is if you if you are any kind of a geometry nerd, then you'll notice that there are there are points in these three intersecting circles where you can be within God's call for you, you can be using God's gifts to you, but you wouldn't be necessarily underneath God's will for you. There's also a portion where you can be in the middle of God's will for you. You can be operating in God's call for you, but you may not be in a place where you're best utilizing your gifts. And I hope what what we can see through this is that there's a center there that you want to try to find where you're still operating underneath the will of God. You're still moving towards and operating underneath His calling for you. And you're also going to be utilizing the gifts that He's given you. And that's where you do the most damage for the kingdom of God. But ultimately, the thing I want you to understand today is this. If If you need to leave and beat the lines to lunch, or, or you just are bored with me preaching already, leave after you hear this, okay? God's calling on your life will never contradict his will for you. If you think, if you believe that God's call on your life is in any way opposed to worshiping him by being transformed into the image of his son and making disciples, so, friend, you're wrong. You're just wrong. God will never call you to do anything which contradicts his will for you. But he will always call you to do things which benefit his kingdom too. A lot of times maybe we can get misconstrued that the gifts that God gives us, and we'll talk about this next week, and the call that he has for us can elevate our platform. Right? We live in a world where metrics are... We're living in a brand new influencer world, aren't we? Where people get paid to take photos of themselves and put it on Instagram and they get sponsored posts and all of a sudden the word influencer is a substitute word for someone who's incredibly vain and not very educated. But, um, but the point is that that we live in a world where we, all of a sudden we, we think about platforms for our brand and for ourself and for our own message when ultimately... If you're in Christ, your platform and your brand is the kingdom of God. And God wants to give you the gifts to accomplish your call and stay within his will. So, the thing I want you to understand today is this, and as we start to move into to the calling God has for you, a lot of times we tend to limit what God's call is for just very small segments, important segments, but very small segments of our life. God's calling on your life is much bigger than just who you'll marry. God's calling for your life is so much bigger than where you should live. God's calling for your life is so much bigger than just the from portion in your paycheck, right? Like If you, if you, if you just think of God's calling for your life as where your job is, you're significantly decreasing what the call of God on your life actually is, right? God has called me to plant and pastor this church, but that's not the only calling he has in my life. I've shared with you before, but the first day I was an intern in my first ever day of ministry when I was 20 years old, 20 years ago, I was driving in my car to my first day as a youth intern where the first job I had was to clean off chairs and clean out a closet. That was the first thing I did for the kingdom of God as a paid minister. Clean, right? you got to start somewhere. And I'm glad I cleaned chairs and cleaned out closets. That. But I remember praying and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? I just think it's got to be more than just working at a church. It's got to be more than just being a minister. And And... The calling, the, the, the words he spoke to me on my way to First Baptist Church of Fayetteville to be a youth intern in June of 1998 are as applicable today as they were then. He said, Brad, I'm calling you to expose as many people to the kingdom of heaven as possible. That is his calling on my life for the past 20 years. So every decision we make in regards to ministry, in regards to our calling, always comes back to, God, is this going to allow me to present your truth to as many people as possible? And that it's that calling that ultimately kind of provides you a, with a, a compass or a roadmap so that you know that within God's will for you, he sets you off on a specific journey to accomplish it. And then along the way, I discovered the gifts that he had given to me. And, and just like Rachel and I were talking before church, these gifts that he's given me, I have to learn how to and fine-tune and mature in, in order to be the most effective with. My spiritual gifts, and as this isn't bragging, my spiritual gifts are in leadership, in evangelism, and in teaching. But if I don't learn how to and continue to grow in my leadership, I'll be great at leading 8-year-old kids. But I won't be great at leading 28, 38, 48 year old people. We always have to grow in our gifts, but I'm getting ahead of myself. I want you to understand this that God's calling for your life is much bigger than a job title or a spouse or a, a, a degree. It's so much bigger than that. Now, God's call on my life did. God did call me to marry my wife. Thank the Lord. God, God called me to have two amazing kids. God called me to move to the most amazing city in the world and pastor a church full of the most incredible people I've ever met. And I'm thankful for that. But my calling is so much bigger than just a dad, just a job title, just going to seminary. Don't limit God's calling for you. So let's let's talk about some important things that you need to learn or discover or be reminded of about the calling of God. Ben, sit down please before we go any further, okay? Thank you. All right. And when they're found today, if you want to open your Bible, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be in 1 Corinthians for a little bit and we'll jump around to a few other verses, but we'll start today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We were, I didn't put the scripture up on the screen today because I want to keep this chart in front of you as much as I can today, right? Because I think there's some power and some truth in that. And I want you to, as we talk today, as we talk through the rest of the series, I want you to ask yourself, where is my life right now? Where am I in each of these circles? If you had to chart it out and chart it out and and graph it, where would you be? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to start with verses 26 through 29. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29, we're talking about the call of God in our life. It goes like this. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. So it says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those were powerful verse 28 God chose things despised by the world things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important verse 29 as a result no one can ever boast in the presence of God so there's something you need to understand about God's calling God God's calling is not contingent upon credentials or abilities Okay, God's calling is not contingent upon credentials or abilities, or maybe even lack of credentials or abilities. You know, we read about people in in Scripture, we read in the Old Testament about guys like, like Joseph and Abraham and Moses and Noah and David and and Samuel and and all these amazing stories, and then we read in the New Testament about guys like Matthew and Peter and Simon and John, and we tend to kind of elevate them and think that they're maybe they just had a little bit more and were a little bit better, and just were a lot more talented than I was, or that I am. But you know, can I tell you? Can I tell you a secret? All of these people I just mentioned to you were just. Ordinary, everyday people. The only difference between, most of the time, the only difference between me and them is that when God called them, whenever Jesus called Peter and said, hey, put down that net. I want to show you how to fish for something much more valuable. Peter just had the guts to say, you know what? Sure, let's do it. The only difference most of the time between me and You and people in scripture is that when God said, hey, who will do this crazy thing for me? Who will take on this challenge, this calling that I'm placed on their life? They were just the ones who had their guts to put their hand up in the air and said, I'll do it. The Bible is full of normal, everyday, ordinary life people who accomplished amazing, extraordinary, only God stories because they believed that God could do what he said he could do. So just because you don't have the education you think you need doesn't discredit you from fulfilling the calling that God wants to call on you. Noah didn't go to maritime construction school, right? Noah wasn't a meteorological expert. He was just a guy who followed God's plan for him. And built a boat and told these people this crazy story about how water would fall from the sky and we're going to call it rain. Did you know it had never rained before the flood? But, Moses didn't, or, but Noah didn't devote his entire education to be set up to build an ark. Noah just said, sure, you know what? It doesn't make any sense to me to build a boat here in the middle of where there's no water. But I guess God knows what he's doing, so I'll do it. Look at the disciples. We tend to think of the disciples as these saints, right? They're depicted as these holy, righteous men. But but, but put, put yourself back in, in, the sho- in their shoes during their day and age. They're just a ragtag, blue-collar, uneducated, kind of foul-mouthed crew of people. They're fishermen, right? How I many of you have ever had a stunning intellectual conversation with a fisherman before, right? When you go to Saigon and like on Sunday, they're sitting in the water and you can pick your fish and they bring it up to your boat. Like, do you think any of them has a PhD in economics? No, but a fisherman is someone who sleeps very, very few hours, works very, very, very hard in harsh, harsh, harsh conditions and is one of the hardest working people in the world. And what we saw as uneducated, just discredited, not very influential people, Jesus used to change the world with. So just because you don't have a PhD in theology, doesn't mean you're not qualified to make disciples. Just because you don't feel that you're the most talented person in the room, means that you're unqualified to fulfill God's call in your life. God is in the business of using normal, everyday, ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary purposes. David was was the youngest born, the least influential member of his family who was just a shepherd. But he was God's chosen man to be the king. Do not allow the enemy to tell you you're only a shepherd when God wants you to be the king. It is only God who qualifies you or decides your your calling. Only. So God calls in spite of our lack of credentials or abilities. I mean, just if you look through Scripture, God used a raven to feed a man. God used a great whale to get a preacher's attention. And God used a donkey to tell a man a truth. And if God can use a donkey to tell you the truth, he can definitely use me to tell you some truth as well. Okay? And he can definitely use you to tell somebody his truth as well. So do not discredit God's calling in your life based on what you think are your inabilities or your lack of talent or experience. Second thing, God's call is based on our availability, not our ability. God's call is based on our availability, not our ability. Like I said, Scripture is full of people who just were willing to put their hand up in the air and volunteer. And say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Literally, the example is in Isaiah chapter 6. You think of that story we talked about before where God calls Isaiah to be his voice to the people. He says, who will I send and who will go for me? We would never know about Isaiah today if he hadn't put his hand up in the air and said, here I am, send me. And I think that God is asking you the same question for whatever it is. Remember, the why you are here is to worship him. To worship Him by being transformed into the image of His Son and reflect His glory into the world around you which makes people see Jesus in you. That's why you're here. But the what is His call for you. And he's calling each of you in a very specific manner, in a very specific way, in a very intentional way to, to influence people and effectively make disciples. And it doesn't matter what it is. He's, he's asking you, who is going to do this for me? Who's going to fulfill this call for me? And he's looking at you whenever he's asking you that. He's waiting for you to say, here I am, send me. But here's the thing that that you need to understand is that God will never use anyone who thinks they know it all. God will never use anyone who thinks they are the world-renowned expert because the the moment we start to think we know it all is whenever we really start to live out our calling for our life, right? Not God's calling for ours. I mean, ultimately, God, what we discover is that once we step into his calling, then he provides us with the gifts, with the tools, with the knowledge that we need along the way to fulfill it. So if you think that you're the, you're the expert for this, you're the one who is going to do it the best, if you're the one who thinks you know it all, then, buddy, you've got a lot to learn. But here's the thing, here's the next thing, is that God will teach you what you need to know along the way, and he'll continue to give you knowledge as you need it. Doesn't that sound like a transformation? Doesn't it sound like being transformed into his image? And the third thing, and this is the most important thing, a lot of times we think that um, God's call for us is ultimately a choice. But what I want you to understand today is this, is that God's call comes with a price. It comes with a price. Flip over a few more chapters in 1 Corinthians to chapter 6. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We'll start at verse 19. We'll look at 19 and 20. There's a price to be paid for God's call. It says this, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? Underline this part. You do not belong to yourself For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. God's calling comes at a price. Folks, the moment you accepted Christ as your Savior, the moment you surrendered to irresistible grace... You may have not realized it or not, but maybe today's the first time you ever realized it. The moment you surrendered to grace was the moment you surrendered your rights to have a say in your life. We don't get a say in what God's call for us is, we don't get a choice. We have been bought with a price we used to be slaves to sin now we are slaves to grace but ultimately at the end of the day we're still slaves right but what does grace give us gives us freedom and that's one of the great ironies of, of christianity One of the great ironies of following Jesus is that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and that freedom makes us want to be a bond slave to Christ. Because you were bought with a price, friend. Jesus gave his life for you so that his calling in your life could be fulfilled. You don't get a choice. It's not a very optimistic picture, is it? <laughs> Sorry to break the news to you on a Sunday, for one of the first Sundays in weeks where the sun is shining, but the thing is this that's not bad news. That's not bad news. It means that you don't have to figure it out. It means the pressure is off of you to make these major decisions. You don't have to decide anymore what's your job. You don't have to decide what's your degree. You don't have to decide are they the right person. You don't have to decide is this person worth it. Jesus says, I've got it taken care of. Just follow me. The pressure's off. The pressure's off. Now if you forget If you start to forget that in Christ you have a hope and a future that was much brighter than your life without Christ, then this could feel like constraints and religion and chains. But the moment you can start to realize that that God who began a good work in you will see it through to completion, and that where the Spirit of the Lord is, where is the Spirit of the Lord? In His Holy Spirit. And where is His Holy Spirit? In me is freedom. It's just like that song Sam sang this morning. Holiness is Christ in me. You don't have the pressure's off of you, friend. That's what I'm saying. The pressure's off. You don't have to make these life-altering decisions. I say it all the time. You're in Christ, you are never the decision maker. You're only the decision teller. That God's plan for you, God's purpose for you, God's call for you is much greater than your dream for your life could ever be. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do abundantly more than you could ever dream or imagine, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. God wants to do things in your life that if he told you the entirety of your story would freak you out. It would scare you. But he says, follow me and we'll do it together. He says, follow me and we'll do it together. Ultimately, when you surrendered to irresistible grace, when you said, Jesus, I have broken our fellowship, our relationship. I need your grace and your mercy to mend it and forgive me and enter into my life and save me. You surrendered your rights to have a say in the outcome and direction of your life. A lot of times, I'm about to talk about my kids, and I love them, but and I think there's a, a lesson that God's teaching them, and I think it's a lesson God teaches me through them a lot of times, is that we we, we do a lot, with, in our, a big thing in our, our family right now, and what we hear a lot of is, I don't want to, right? Ryan, Ben, it's time to take a bath. Well, oh, I don't want to. Ben, you were the last one out of our home. you got to close the door. Well, I don't want to. Okay, dinner's up. we got to wash your hands and brush your teeth, and Put your plates away. Oh, I don't want to. You know what You know what my righteous reply to them has been lately? I don't care. Right? I don't care what, that you don't want to. This is what you're supposed to do. I don't care that you don't want to close the door when you leave. If we don't, people will come and steal our toys. Maybe that was said this morning, but... It doesn't matter what we want, right? It's what is right. And I'm buying them lunch after church is over, so I can ask for their forgiveness for telling this story. Okay, so. But the point is that it's this. God doesn't. It doesn't care to God at times whether we want to do it or not. Because He's called us to do it. And what that it is. I do believe is different for each of us. I do believe that God's call, now God's will is the same for all of us. But his call for you is a bespoke, custom-made suit that only fits you. It's a bespoke, it's a custom-made suit that will only fit you. It's not something you can just go to the store and buy off the rack. It takes time to be measured and and get the the measurements right. You know, a a bespoke tailor will actually look at his client and see how they stand and cut the suit according to that. For me, my shoulders slope a little more, right? And so in a custom-made suit, the tailor would cut the cloth according to even just what my posture is. It'll give me the best suit possible. God's calling for your life is that unique, and it's especially for you. It's especially for you. And it's not something that you can you can give away. It's not something that could be um, transferred. Romans eleven twenty nine says that God's gifts and calling cannot be withdrawn. Other translations say that God's gifts and His calling are irrevocable. I like that word. I like that. That means what God has given to me, nobody can take away. Nobody. That gets me excited. God wants to give you a calling in your life that not even you can take away. Now we'll talk in a few weeks about how we can waste our potential Right? By being disobedient. And not living within that circle of his calling for you. But at the end of the day, it doesn't change that he's given you a specific calling. It's made for you. And I think I, I think as I speak this today, you either are hearing two things. You're either asking the question, what in the world is God's call for me? Or... I know exactly what that is and I've got to live that out. It's one of those two. Or, God forgive me for not being in that calling circle. Where are you today? It's not up to you though. Again, the pressure's off of you, folks. When Jesus says, come to me, I'll take your burdens, it's the burden, a lot of times, of the anxiety of like, what am I here for? What am I supposed to do? What does God want out of me? What does God want from me? What does God want to do through me, right? You don't have to make that decision, Jesus has made that decision. God has cut your suit for you. He's just waiting for you to come back to the tailor shop and pick it up. What's keeping you from going to get your custom-made suit, friend? Or maybe you've picked it up, but you haven't put it on yet. Maybe it's been sitting in your closet for years, and you think you're waiting for the right opportunity today. It's the day to put that suit on, and you get it up, and you just put it on. You put on your nicest tie, and you walk outside, and you look as good as you can in that custom-made calling that God has for you. It's time for you to wear that suit, friend. It's time for you to wear that suit. You polish up those shoes. You put on those nice socks. Everybody knows what I'm talking about, those nice socks that you have, right? You put them on so that you know that I am exactly where God wants me to be in this calling, and you live it out. And you live it out. Or Maybe what you need to do today is say, God, what is that calling for me? What do you have planned for me? Whatever it is, I think it's important for us to end today that we hear from God. We listen to what he has to say about that calling. Ben, sit down, please. Thank you. Let's pray. God is calling you, friend. And it's, not, and it's so much deeper, so much more impactful than just where you work or just where he wants you to work. I don't want to discredit that at all. Maybe God is calling you to that maybe that's part of his calling to you is that job is that degree. but that's not the destination. That's just a chapter in the book. That's just a part of the suit. God for those of us in this room who are seeking you and trying to figure out what is God's call for my life, God I pray, right now, an extra supernatural portion of clarity as you speak to them and say this is what I've called you to do. This is the what of your life. This is the what it's going to do, what you're going to do to accomplish the why. God, I pray that that This week, they would go to the tailor shop and pick up their suit. And God, for those of us who know what your calling is for us, but have been too afraid to take the suit out of the closet, May we find the courage that is found in Christ to put on that custom-made suit, that irrevocable calling of God and not waste another day of our potential. Whatever the calling is, God, whether it's full-time ministry, beginning a ministry to, to... forgotten segments of people in this society, whether it be to to raise money so that existing ministries could flourish, whether it be to just simply reach out to a family member and be Jesus to them. Whatever that calling is, God, give us the courage this week to wear our suit. We have nothing to be ashamed of. That you have said, In you, we are absolutely qualified. God, I pray that each person in this room this week would begin to live out and be in the middle of that that calling circle for their life. No matter how old, no matter how young. we would discover your calling for us. That we wouldn't have to decide your calling for us, but we would discover it as you show it to us. And that we would have the courage to put our hand up in the air and say, here am I. Send me. Thank you. Thank you that your freedom frees us up from having to make this decision, from having to decide what that calling is. That we were bought with a price, that this isn't even a choice. This is just simply us being obedient children. It's simple, it's just listen and obey. So help us to be listen and obey kids this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Wear your suit, friend. Wear your suit this week. Wear it to your job. Wear it out. Wear it when you play basketball, whatever it is. Wear your suit because God stitched it together just for you. All right? I believe in you. You can do this there's a whole church cheering you on this week. Live out your calling. I love you. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.